Who remembers these songs? Girl, you know it's true. Baby, don't forget my number. Blame it on the rain. Girl, I'm gonna miss you. All or nothing. Those would be hits by the group Millie Vanilli. Now, many of you may be familiar with the story of Millie Vanilli, but I'm going to deep dive into the truth behind the creation and the execution of Millie Vanilli. Hi, my name is James Rodriguez, the host of The Original Doll. On The Original Doll, I talk about the stories of these iconic moments. We share all sorts of information because these are iconic moments from iconic artists. And I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon supporters, you all rock. Because of you, we're able to keep this thing going. If you'd like to join the community, go to theoriginaldoll.com, and you can purchase some merchandise through the website, theoriginaldoll.com. Of many things that Millie Vanilli has been called, controversial is usually one of them. I'm going to talk about the creation of this and the moment that brought to a halt a skyrocketing career filled with so many hit singles worldwide. Thanks for joining me on this, The Original Doll with James Rodriguez. And as with all episodes and all content for The Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it. My name is James Rodriguez. This is The Original Doll Iconography. Coming to you live from Munich, Germany. Now there's a special connection that happened here between two men in the 80s. Rob Pilatus, who met Fabrice Morvan, and soon they would be known to the world as Millie Vanilli. Frank Farian was introduced to Rob by Fabrice. Frank created the music group Boney M. The group would receive minor success right off the bat. Boney M would tour clubs and discos which helped promote their music. Boney M would sell over 100 million records. Interesting backstory for the creation of Boney M. Originally, the music for Boney M was set to be a solo album mm-hmm, for Frank Farian. But then as traction started picking up with those songs, Frank Farian decided to hire a group of performers to be Boney M on stage. That's right. He was going to use his music and hire performers to lip sync and perform on stage. More on that in a bit. Fast forward. Fab and Rob were offered a recording contract by Farian. They would be given an advance of 15,000 Deutschmark each for signing, which at the time both said was a large amount. So they signed. Fab has stated they toasted when they signed, but Frank leaned over to Rob and said, Don't f with me. Months passed. No correspondence from Frank during this time as to when the duo would start recording music which is very abnormal. Finally, Rob and Fab received a call to head to the studio. Frank was there with his assistant, who happened to be his then-girlfriend, Ingrid. And they played Girl You Know It's True. Frank and Rob started having a heated conversation in German, which French-born Fab could not fully understand. Rob turned to Fab and said, They don't want us to sing on the record. Frank, in fact wanted Rob and Fab to lip-sync the song. Now, Ingrid tells the duo, you signed a contract, you took the money, 
If you don't take part, you will have to pay the money back and all debts acquired during this time. Now, at the time, Rob and Fab were not well off. They were barely scraping by. And ultimately, they realized that they were indebted to Farian. As an aside, the name Millie Vanilli, well, part of it came from Ingrid, as she was referred to as Millie. Now you're wondering, what did Rob and Fab think about this? Well, the duo thought, it's just one song. Play along for that one song, and they will be out and free to leave Frank's contract. Wash their hands of the situation. Now, recently, Ingrid has stated that Rob and Fab had no issues going along with the charade, that they were okay with lip syncing. Right there, there's a little bit of opposite information. Ingrid states that there was no issue about them walking away and there was no discussion of being reimbursed. I, myself, having talked to recording artists, producers, songwriters over the years, find that kind of difficult to believe because one of the first things so many of these guests that come on the original dial talk about is when you're giving that advance, you have to pay that back. Period. It's a contract. So I don't feel like it would have been any differently in the 80s. Now, Girl You Know It's True was released in 1988 and became a huge hit. It would ultimately go platinum in four months in the United States. Fab recently said that the duo decided to, to fully go along with the lie at that point. They were kind of getting high on their own supply. Now, you may wonder, well, James, who were the actual people singing the song then? What happened? Well, the actual singer for this at the time was Brad Howell and... Charles Shaw, who you could hear on Girl You Know It's True. He would be the rapper. Now, Charles stated he received $12,000 from Frank as a kind of, here, you're getting paid, just keep your mouth shut. The backing vocalists included twins, Jody and Linda Rocco. Now, as I said, Charles Shaw was the rapper on Girl You Know It's True, but then, after that, John Davis would be the rapper who would appear on Girl You Know It's True. And he stated that he was given 10,000 Deutschmark for working on the entire album. That's right. So keep this in mind. At the time, these recording contracts, even from the label to producers, to all these people, it was a lot of money. However, Farian was paying each of these people, I mean, 10,000 Deutschmark, just even if you get rid of the Deutschmark, just even if you think... $10,000 for your entire work on an album. And that album would go on to sell very well. So just keep that in mind. Now, as the album was being created, you may say, but wait, how did the background vocalists know about this? Did they know that there was going to be somebody else singing the song and somebody lip syncing? They did not. When they kept asking, well, hey, when are the lead singers going to come in? Frank and Ingrid came up with a quote unquote smart idea. They said, we're going to work with you all during the day. The lead vocalists are going to come in at night. That way, no one questioned the fact that Rob and Fab were not coming to the recording studio. And the other thing to consider is this, just like with the rest of the guests on the show, having people record the parts at different times was not unusual. And background vocalists, they come in, they do their part, they head out. They are not in charge of the scheduling. They're not in charge of mixing. They're not in charge of the final product. Oftentimes, many of the background vocalists and many artists that we've talked about with background vocals have stated they don't even really hear the final version of the song until the rest of the public does. 
Not saying that's in all cases, but in the cases of which we talked to so many of the guests on the show here. So the part that was true about the recording was Ingrid and Frank would sneak Brad and John into the studio after everyone else left. During these kind of secret sessions, these sessions that no one knew about, the vocals for Millie Vanilli would be cut. Now, Charles Shaw in recent years has said, you know, when he was younger, he went along with it. Great money, just played the game. He recently stated that Frank, Frank Farian, as a producer, made most of his money on black artists. And this is where Boney M comes in. Rewinding back to Boney M, the world would come to find out that Frank was the singer on the records and that he did in fact hire black performers to lip sync. So people were buying into the fact that they would see these black artists on stage performing and hearing these great soulful songs and they bought into it. But in reality, it was Frank's voice. No one knew about it except for Frank and the people in the band. Because Frank knew, as a white man, he was not going to be able to get the success at that time singing the song, and he didn't have what most people would say, that kind of superstar look. So he was fine with putting on a show. And I use that with air quotes completely. So now you may say, James, well, with Millie Vanilli, though, there was a label involved. Who knew? Here's some information on that. Arista was the label to release Millie Vanilli. What you might not be aware of is that Millie Vanilli had an album that was released outside of the United States called All or Nothing. After hearing the group, an album, big, huge titan of the music industry, came knocking at the door. That would be head of Arista, Clive Davis. And Clive Davis said that the album wouldn't work in the U.S. the way that it was, that it needed to be kind of revamped for the U.S. market, add a few more songs, kind of like what he did later on with Ace of Bass for their debut album. Now, Clive Davis met with Diane Warren. Many people know Diane Warren, huge songwriter. Diane played Clive a song that she was working on called Blame It on the Rain. Clive sent the song to Frank, and the song would be recorded on the repackaged version of the debut album. Now, what should be known is that the label credits for the original debut album, All or Nothing, did not feature Rob or Fab in any of the credits. The background vocals were listed, but nowhere could you find the name of Rob and Fab. I went through my CD copy of it. I looked online. Rob and Fab are included nowhere on the vocalist end in the original version. Now, recently, people who worked at the label at the time had been asked about the omission of Rob and Fab's name and why the duo was listed in the credits for the repackaged Arista version, but not the original one. Because don't forget, many of those songs from the original debut, they just kind of copied and pasted, slid right over. They all weren't reworked songs. For years, people at the label stated that they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. So let me reiterate this. On the original All or Nothing album, it features no mention of Rob and Fab on the vocals. But on the U.S. debut repackage, which would ultimately be called Girl, You Know It's True, they would be in the liner notes under vocals. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, Arista's repackaging paid off. The album would sell over 6 million copies in the U.S. in less than one year. That is right, 6 million physical copies in the U.S. in less than 12 months. It would go to number one and ultimately be at number one for seven weeks. 
altogether, the album would stay on the Billboard Top 200 for 78 weeks. Now, of course, as the album is selling, Arista wants to bank on that. So they decide to have Millie Vanilli do promotional stops. Now, right away, Frank knew by doing this, he would open the door to people possibly finding out that what you see on stage is not what you hear on the album. Millie Vanilli would go on the Club MTV concert tour. In 1989, it was announced that the Club MTV tour was going to include Tone Loke, Paula Abdul, Lisa Lisa Colchan, and Fab and Rob as Millie Vanilli. Ticket sales were sluggish because many assumed it was just going to be artists lip-syncing to their music, basically watching live music videos. A band was put together for the live Millie Vanilli shows. The band was rehearsing, and nowhere on site during these rehearsals were Rob and Fab. Eventually, the band realized that the duo would be lip-syncing. But what they didn't know is that the vocals everyone was hearing was not of those two who would be on stage. The tour would start, the audience would take it all in. Now fast-forwarding to July 21st, 1989, at a tour stop in Bristol, Connecticut. During Girl You Know It's True, the pre-recorded vocals were skipping over and over. Girl You Know It's Girl You Know It's Girl You Know It's Girl... Now the crowd was not pleased. The audience could see firsthand that Millie Vanilli was lip-syncing. Now Arista, the label, was still rolling hot with the sales. They decided not to mention anything, with the hopes that it would just blow over and the sales would continue to rise. You may wonder what was happening with Rob and Fab at the time. Both have stated over the years, specifically years after this, is that the pressure began to hit them, that the lies began to pile up. As Arista, Frank, Rob, and Fab were collecting those gold and platinum albums, the real vocalist, Charles Shaw, began to feel frustrated, so he and his manager decided that he should do a tell-all. Now, New York Newsday covered this article. Former singer for Millie Vanilli, duo isn't true. Now, Frank, Frank Varian, decided to release his own statement and said Charles Shaw is a liar. From that, Charles Shaw decided to call Rob and Fab's management, which happened to be Sandy Gallen, whose roster over the years included Richard Pryor, Cher, Dolly Parton, Michael Jackson, Whoopi Goldberg, Mariah Carey, and so many through his death in 2017. Now, here's a little bit of information on Sandy Gallen. The New York Times reported, in the roles of talent agent and manager, Mr. Gallen had peers as a behind-the-scene ally to the biggest stars from the time he helped rescue Dolly Parton from a stalling career in 1976 until the day Elizabeth Taylor died in 2011, and in her will, left him her biggest amethyst crystal. He was part of the team that booked the Beatles for their first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show back in 1964. He woke up in the middle of the night to Richard Pryor calling from jail twice in 1967. He oversaw Cher's transition from rock balladeer to disco dancing diva in 1978. He signed Whoopi Goldberg before she auditioned for Steven Spielberg and got the leading role in The Color Purple in 1984. He jetted to London with Elizabeth Taylor to stage a painkiller intervention for another one of his clients, Michael Jackson, in 1993. Millie Vanilli's management team decided to ignore Charles Shaw. As the parties involved were making more and more money with each album and each single sold. Now, during this short time, this is what I want to keep in mind. That debut album, it has been listed across so many publications. That album would bring in over $600 million in profits. Rob and Fab, 
their net worth wasn't increasing by that much. But Frank Farian's net worth would continue to increase. Robin Fab would do interviews and say that they were, in fact, the actual singers on the album. Because there were many people questioning, wait, is this really you? Are you singing? Are you lip syncing? What's going on? And they would continue to say, we were the singers. So we know the sales were happening. Great. Positive. Then the awards started coming in as well. The Grammys would change and ultimately put an end to Millie Vanilli. Now, if you're enjoying the content on the original doll, please be sure to like, rate, and review. With your help, we're able to get more and more ears, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you want to join the community, if you want to support, you can purchase official merchandise through theoriginaldoll.com and tell friends about it. Over the years, I've been able to interview recording artists, songwriters, producers, background vocalists, backup dancers, so many people. And we get kind of behind the scenes on these, and we also include stories like these. So we're going to get right back to the show. Thanks for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Those returners, welcome back. Millie Vanilli's management team started to discuss submitting the duo, the album, and the singles for various categories for the Grammys. Many in the team were like, nope, it's not going to happen. However, one member of the team decided to submit Millie Vanilli for the Grammys. Then, the nominations were revealed, and Millie Vanilli was nominated for Best New Artist. Upon this, Clive Davis called Sandy Gallon furious that someone did this. Now, here's the thing. My question to you all is this. Why would Clive Davis, head of Arista, be upset about the nomination for a record-breaking, huge-selling group? If he thought that the group was legitimate, why would he be so upset? Sandy Gallon, in turn, called the team member who, he told, Clive Davis is not exactly happy about this. The team member was Todd Headley. Now, Todd, over the years, said he was confused because he was like, these guys deserve the nomination. They've worked hard. They've toured. They've done all the promotional things you've asked them to do. People are buying the albums. Their singles are selling. I don't understand it. Todd thought they deserved this. And all the way through 2022, his stance has never been that he knew anything shady was happening behind the scenes. He thought Rob and Fab were hard workers and that the audience there, they loved them too. So why not have the recognition come next? And remember, Frank Farian stated he wanted the label to be completely out of it. So at that point, if the label was out of it, do you think that the management team would be that involved? And there were so many different tentacles in this. So you may wonder, who was Millie Vanilli nominated with for Best New Artist? There's some great artists in there. Nina Cherry, Indigo Girls, Tone Loke, and Soul to Soul. And the winner the previous year was Tracy Chapman. And for those who love fast cars, we have an episode coming up deep diving into Tracy Chapman and Fast Car. Now with this Best New Artist nomination, all of those nominees are expected to perform at the Grammys. And not only expected to perform, but expected to perform live. Mm-hmm. Live. Now, recently, Ingrid, who was the assistant to her then-boyfriend, Frank Farron at the time, has alleged that Sandy Gallen paid money to the Academy to allow the performers to perform with playback. Now, February 21st, 1990 comes around. Grammy nights, the audience is ready. But if you see videos of this whilst Millie Vanilli is performing, the audience is not happy. They know right away 
this duo is lip-syncing. Many felt it was a slap in the face to them because every other artist before has had to perform live, vocals live. The audience, not happy. And the audience at home was picking up on that. Now, it's been documented over the years that as soon as the Grammys hit, right before, leading up to that, Rob and Fab's egos were getting bigger and bigger. In interviews, they said crazy things. I would say completely ridiculous things. At the 1989 MTV Awards, the duo basically said that they were better than Elvis, Bob Dylan, or the Beatles. Insane. Now fast forward to beginning production for the follow-up to Millie Vanilli's debut album. Rob and Fab stated to Frank Farian that they wanted to actually sing on the album. Frank told both men that's not going to happen. That they were not going to be a part of the vocals on the follow-up. So the duo decided to hire a lawyer to remove themselves from the contract. But they were informed that that initial contract did in fact include multiple albums. So Rob and Fab decided that what they would do is go back and forth, pushing Frank's buttons, hoping that he would release them from the contract. They would make it more difficult to handle them. And before an appearance in Germany, Millie Vanilli said that they would not perform the song unless Frank agreed to give them 150,000 Deutschmark. And if they didn't get the money, Rob and Fab said that they would expose Frank on television. It was an odd game of extortion and blackmail. After the appearance, Frank decided he was done. In November of 1990, Farian gave a press conference and said the singers of Millie Vanilli's music was not Rob and Fab. During the conference, he presented the press with the real musicians of Millie Vanilli. He also said that the demos that Fab and Rob made were not great, but Frank said they had the looks that would draw an audience in. Now, in doing this, and being the first one to come out about this, the public would ultimately look at Robin Fab as the actual villains. Even though that original press conference showed to the public that it was Frank's doing and that it was Frank's idea, Frank picked them, Frank had them do this, Robin Fab would pay the price for deceiving the public. Not long after the duo gave their own press conference and they returned the Grammy, which at that point had never been done before, and as of today, has yet to be done since. During this press conference, Rob stated that he and Fab were broke, homeless, and hungry, and that Frank gave them money so that they can get out of a situation. The duo said this was an opportunity that got them out of the projects. So what did the public do? We know that Frank gave his press conference to wash his hands of it. We know that Rob and Fab were receiving this villain status from the public. Well, the people who bought the albums, class action lawsuits followed. People started claiming fraud. And in this time, and it was talked about really not long after Rob and Fab gave their Grammy back, they lost everything. These young men who said they took an opportunity to make their lives better ended up being left with nothing. However, these men, Clive Davis, Frank Farian, and Sandy Gallen, were all left unscathed. They all played the part in it, but only two were villainized. Why do you think that is? So now you may wonder, well, what happened with the actual follow-up to Millie Vanilli's debut album? What was going on with that? Well, while on stage Millie Vanilli was promoting the debut album, 
Frank Farian was already working on music for a follow-up. Frank's new project, well, the group would be called The Real Millie Vanilli, and the album would be titled Moment of Truth. Interestingly enough, the people in the video were not all the people who were actually singing. It seems Frank Farian's brand of wash, rinse, repeat did it again. The twin background vocalists that I told you about before, they did background vocals. They were white. You would not see them appear in any videos or live in concert. Who would you see on stage? Black performers. The real Millie Vanilli would be filled with black performers, even though there were white vocalists on the music. Rob and Fab would ultimately start working on an album with their actual voices. We Can Get It On, the album that was released on March 16th, 1993, sold about 2,000 copies worldwide. The duo would continue to promote the song, but it was nowhere near the Milli Vanilli success. Over the years after that, Rob and Fab would see less and less of each other, both dealing with their own mental health issues, the pressure and the backlash of being in Milli Vanilli. Rob would ultimately return to Germany, and he would deal with his addiction to drugs. He was arrested, served time in jail, tried rehab. Years of addiction would tear him apart. Ingrid, Frank Farian's former girlfriend, would ultimately end up being a confidant to Rob over the years. And she was the one to find Rob unresponsive in his hotel room in Germany. Rob died from an accidental overdose. Oftentimes, as many of you might know, Millie Vanilli became a joke about lip-syncing, singing live, not singing live, fraud. And truly, I always thought they were the villains, because that's what I read. But in finding this, Frank Farian utilized his vocals, hired black performers, to sell what this image was, Boney M, for him to further his pockets. Then... He would hire other performers, black performers, to sing, but would have black performers on stage. Then, he said he was going to show everyone who the real Millie Vanilli was, but he didn't. Nowhere did you see the background vocalists, the twins. So in many of these stories that we've looked into, many people have reached out to me and said, James, I didn't realize that was the case. I didn't realize this is why I go back and do what I do. Go back through those old publications, those old interviews, to really get the story behind these artists. Were Rob and Fab guilty of being a part of the lie? Absolutely. Did they deserve all the hate, the villainization? That's up to you. But what we do know is the sonics and the look of Millie Vanilli were so tied together that when you hear, girl, you know it's true, you think about that image. So Frank was right with that. But at what cost? So I want to ask you this. Before you listen to this, what did you think of Millie Vanilli? Let me know. And do you think Sandy Gallen, Clive Davis, do you think they deserved any of this quote-unquote hate that Robin Fab received? Let me know. Follow me for more. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the original doll, Iconography. We go behind the scenes talk about these iconic stories from these iconic artists the good the bad and the ugly i'll see you on the flip side